Hi there, this is Taylor checking in with some conservation news from the past couple weeks for Pelicanus and Intentional Ecology. Working in the environmental field is an experience of some very high highs and some low lows. As always, there are horrendous environmental stories that deserve our attention, action, and mobilization, but it is our opinion that you can find those headlines in many places. But there are also empowering and inspiring stories that demonstrate major conservation successes from around the globe, achieved by real people who have grouped together to create a better planet. We've been collecting these stories and messages every week for years, and I'm still surprised at how resilient and creative both nature and humans are when facing big challenges. Hi everyone, we've got a handful of headlines for today's Pelicanus News. I've categorized them into rewilding, land, and regulations. These stories are truly incredible and also reminders to me that conservation can actually work. Our first category is my favorite, rewilding. Uh, this first story is out of thecanadian.news. And it's, <laughs> the title is just simply, We're Making Babies. After years in decline, Okanagan salmon are back. For most of the last century, wild salmon, baby or adult, was a rarity in Okanagan rivers and lakes. Overfishing and habitat destruction from logging and agriculture decimated fish from the mid-19th century onwards. In the 1930s, a series of dams built along the Okanagan and Columbia rivers had practically extirpated salmon from the region. We went from a year in the 1990s when there were only 600 adult salmon returning to the Okanagan system to having roughly 200,000 sockeye salmon returning to spawning grounds, Tyson Marcel of the Okanagan Nation Alliance said. All of a sudden, the fish started coming back, Marcel recalled as he walked down the river with another fish. It was quite impressive for the community and for the people to see that. The loss of salmon has been a devastating blow to the people of the Seyilks Okanagan, who re relied on salmon for food and cultural purposes, ONA chief Brian Lewis said. In some places, about 90% of the diet came from salmon, he explained, referring to DNA analysis that archaeologists performed on ancestral dental records with the nation's permission. The loss of salmon not only affected people's access to an important source of nutrition, it also helped to erode important traditional practices of daily life. Okay, our second story here is from the animalrescuesociety.nationbuilder.com, and it is out of Iran. Uh, the Asiatic cheetah, Homino, spotted in Bafk for first time in years. I hope I'm pronouncing those correctly. Director General of the Environment Department of Yazd province in southeast Iran said that, the two, that two environmental police officers who were patrolling in Ari's Wildlife Sanctuary in Bafk County spotted a male Asiatic cheetah called Homino and started filming it. The director general added that after reviewing the images by wildlife experts, the Yazd province's environment department realized that he was the same cheetah that had been registered as Homino eight years ago when he was seen near the Homino River. Studies are now underway to identify the rare Asiatic cheetah's movements and behavior in the region. <laughs> Love to hear that. Our second category is land, and there are two, three really big stories here. Uh, the first one is from MotherJones.com. The Biden administration revokes mining leases near Minnesota's boundary waters. 
as somebody who spent a couple weeks uh, paddling through um, these waters, or right next to them actually, um, this is really special to me. Um, all right, a Chilean mining giant's bid to construct a massive underground copper nickel mine just a few miles from Minnesota's Boundary Waters canoe area wilderness has hit yet another major snag. The Biden administration canceled a pair of mineral leases that date back to the 1960s, concluding that the Trump administration skirted legal obligations when it renewed the leases in 2019. The Department of the Interior takes seriously our obligations to steward public lands and waters on behalf of all Americans, Interior Secretary Deb Haaland said in a statement announcing the decision. We must be consistent in how we apply lease terms to ensure that no less leasee receives special treatment. Twin Metals Minnesota, a wholly owned subsidiary of Chilean mining giant Antofagasta, has for years been trying to mine at the doorstep of the 1.09 million acre boundary waters, the most visited wilderness area in the country. Opponents argue that allowing the project to move ahead could forever sully the vast network of federally protected rivers, lakes, and creeks, often pointing to the hard rock mining industry's long legacy of polluting water resources across the country. Extracting sulfide-bearing minerals like those twin metals is after could trigger the release of toxic sulfuric acid that can persist indefinitely. This next story is from CNN.com, and I'm going to butcher a lot of the names in here, and I apologize in advance. Redwood Forest in California is returned to native tribes. More than 500 acres of California redwood forest land has been officially returned to a group of Native American tribes whose ancestors were expelled from it generations ago. The land, formerly known as Andersonia West, was purchased by San Francisco Conservation Group Save the Redwoods League and donated to the Intertribal Sinkyon Wilderness Council. The Sinkyon Council consists of 10 federally recognized Northern California tribal nations. People indigenous to the land, located in the Northern California's Mendocino County, were forcibly removed by European-American colonists, according to the League. But today, the Sinkyon people have been empowered with the ability to reclaim and rename the land they believe rightly, rightfully belongs to them. Renaming the property, C.E. Ledun, lets people know that it's a sacred place. It's a place where our native people, Sinkyon Council board member and tribal citizen Kristen Krista Ray said in a statement, it lets them know that there was a language and that there was a people who lived there long before now. Si le dung means fish run place in the Sinkyon language, according to this press release. And this next one, I'm really excited about this as well. Um, this is coming from MSN.com. The Biden administration announces more than $1 billion for Everglades restoration. This is huge. A historic increase in Everglades funding was announced by the Biden administration with a plan to spend an unprecedented $1.1 billion to restore South Florida's famous wilderness. The administration is making the largest single investment in the Everglades in U.S. history, the White House said in a statement. The iconic American landscape provides drinking water supply for over 8 million Floridians, supports the state's $90 billion tourism economy, and is home to dozens of endangered or threatened species. The restoration of the Everglades involves dozens of projects intended to restore or at least mimic the natural flow of clean water through the sawgrass, tree islands, and wet prairies west of Metro South Florida. 
about half of the original 40 mile wide, 100 mile long Everglades has been lost to farms and urban development. What remains suffers from an insufficient flow of freshwater, allowing soil to dry out and burn away. Open water areas have shrunk, reducing habitat for fish, snakes, and frogs. Deprived of prey, once awesome gatherings of wading birds painted in white, pink, green, and blue have withered to shadows of what they had been. The funding comes from the Biden administration's $1. trillion infrastructure bill designed to shore up roads, bridges, ports, and other public assets. The bill received 13 votes from Republican representatives, none, ironically, from Florida. But enjoy your $1 billion. All right, last category here, regulations. This first one is from onegreenplanet.org. And uh, I love this story. Okay, Hawaii becomes first state to ban shark fishing. Sharks are disappearing at an alarming rate, largely due to shark fishing and being victims of bycatch. Humans need sharks, but there are few laws that protect them. In 2011, the Shark Conservation Act of 2010 was signed into law, but that only prohibited the finning of sharks. It was still illegal to fish sharks. They just had to be brought to shore with their fins attached. But now, Hawaii is paving the way for change. It just became the first state in the U.S. to implement a ban on shark fishing completely. As of January 1st, 2022, it's no longer legal to intentionally capture, entangle, or kill any species of shark in state marine waters. The new law, HB 533, was signed into law on World Oceans Day in 2021 by Governor uh, David Ige as part of a series of bills aimed at protecting aquatic resources. Okay, this last one is kind of long, but it's super important and um, I'm really excited about it. Uh, after reading Catherine Coleman Flowers' book, Waste, about pollution in the South, um, it's really exciting to see some actual movement here. So, from abcnews.go.com, the EPA acts to curb air, water, pollution in poor communities. The Environmental Protection Agency announced a series of enforcement actions to address air pollution, unsafe drinking water, and other problems afflicting minority communities in three Gulf states following a Journey to Justice tour by Administrator, Administrator Michael Regan last fall. The agency will conduct unannounced inspections of chemical plants, refineries, and other industrial sites suspected of polluting air and water and causing health problems to nearby residents, Regan said, and it will install air monitoring equipment in Louisiana's chemical corridor to enhance enforcement at chemical and plastic plants between New Orleans and Baton Rouge. The region contains several hot spots where cancer risks are far above national levels. The EPA also issued a notice to the city of Jackson, Mississippi, saying its aging and overwhelmed water system violates the Federal Safe Drinking Water Act. The order directs the city to outline a plan to correct the significant deficiencies identified in an EPA report within 45 days. The actions were among more than a dozen steps announced being taken in response to Regan's tour last November. Regan visited low-income, mostly minority communities in Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas as part of an effort to focus federal attention on communities adversely affected by decades of industrial pollution. A toxics release inventory prepared by the EPA shows that African Americans and other minority groups make up 50 56% of those living near toxic sites, such as refineries, landfills, and chemical plants. Negative effects include chronic health problems such as asthma, diabetes, and hypertension. 
In every community I visited during the Journey to Justice tour, the message was clear. Residents have suffered far too long, and local, state, and federal agencies have to do better, Regan said. All right, I hope these stories bring some optimism and lightness to your month, and I look forward to sharing more in the future.